Hey, let's uh, let's uh, let's get going. I got things to do, man. Where are you going? What do you got to do? Where are you going? You know, it's things and stuff. <laughs> uh, I apparently have to go to CVS and drop off some clonopin. Right. I don't even know if that's a real drug. I think uh, it is, but I don't know if I have any of that. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It is Tuesday. It actually is Tuesday. Yeah. It, it feels like a Monday. Tuesday. It feels like a Monday. We had a little holiday here in the U.S. Uh, uh, Memorial Day. Um, celebrating fallen servicemen and women, of which there are far too many. Yep. Uh, so we're back on Tuesday. It is Tuesday. It's the 31st of May. Coming up on June. When When is the official beginning of summer? Is it the 21st? 21st. 20- first or 20th depends on the year but i'll i'll find out okay so it's almost summer it feels like it's already summer in dc anyway how's it what are you up there what's uh what's, it was very very i we put it in the air conditioner this weekend so yeah. it was it was hot um, yeah it was warm uh so it is uh, on taking pictures episode june 20th at six thirty four p.m that will be the beginning of summer yes right go ahead uh it is episode 214 Bill Wadman in New York, Jeffrey Sidoris in D.C. Uh, hey, we're getting close to the uh, the, the Democratic National Convention. <laughs> That's what you wanted to start with. <laughs> well, it's it's just it's it's funny to me. The whole system's funny to me, but it, it's it's odd to see would be presidential candidates on talk shows. Okay, I think Bill Clinton started that on Arsenio. It's very strange to see, you know, Bernie sitting on the couch talking to Jimmy Kimmel or, or, you know, Obama. It's just, it's odd to me. Why is that? I don't know. I mean, you, you, because you, 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 you picture, you know, this distance between, between the president and you. And now it's, you know, everybody wants to be of the people and, you know, they want to hang out at Ben's Chili Bowl and have a half smoke and Mm. talk about the playoffs. I don't know. It just feels weird. Uh, but we'll see. It's exciting. California up for grabs. It's the age of social media. It is. Yep. It is. Um, yeah. Who do you think it's going to be? You think you, do you, now it, you could say <laughs> that's a, that's a loaded question. Well, I'm, you could, you could argue that it's already going to be Hillary as the nominee, but yeah. you could, you could have argued that months ago. When, sure. when the superdelegates pledged their support before she even started running, really. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, could I foresee some crazy thing at the convention where Bernie walks away with it? If if Clinton gets indicted or some crazy stuff and they want somebody. Yeah, it could, it could happen. I don't think the chances are very high, but it could happen. Hmm. It's. I mean, I, I think that's more likely than some crazy thing happening at the Republican convention now. You know, some rules change where they can. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that that would be yeah, that would be a bigger a bigger shift. Um Yeah, I don't anyway, know. It'll be it'll be fun to watch if nothing. Yeah, wait, else. where's where's the where's the Democratic one? Philly? Uh I think so. And then isn't the 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 Republicans in Cleveland? Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, I went to a baseball game. You have baseball in the notes, which is funny because I went to a baseball game over the weekend. I put it in there precisely because you went to a baseball Go game. Go Nats. Because I'm going to a baseball game tonight. Where are you, what are you going to see? I'm going to see the Mets tonight. Nice. And I uh, never go to baseball games. So this it is was a, a thing. Blast. I it's fun. You. 
It was a blast. Did you eat Shake Shack? Uh, no, because there were about 8,000 people in line. Yeah, that happens. Uh, but uh, hot dog, couple yeah, hot burgers. Dog. Sure. Uh, it was it was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. It was a crushing defeat. I was a little sad about that. Uh, I noticed that the score was not in your favor. No. Assuming for the moment that you are actually a Nationals fan and we're rooting so for them. The thing is, it, it, it was like the only people that were that were connecting with the ball uh, were Zimmerman and uh, and uh, what's what's the what's the the right fielder? I don't know. You're speaking in tongues right now. The young kid. What's okay. His name? There's some young kid and he was hitting well. Yeah, uh, okay. Harper, Bryce Harper. Okay, oh yeah, I, I know that name. Um, I think, you know, they were the only ones that were really doing anything. That and, happens. Uh, you know, it was disappointing. Yeah, but you know what? It's not there, about, it's there, not about there, winning and losing. There was a St. Louis fan, like like two rows behind us. And every time, you know, the, either the Nats would screw up or or St. Louis would score, he would just lose it. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> I love that. I love it. Uh, uh, Conrad used to go to Yankee games with a Red Sox cap on. Ouch. Yeah, I know. And I, I think I think she can get away, you know, like young pretty girl. I think she can get away with it. But right. like uh, I, I couldn't do that. I'd get beat up. You yeah. know what I love most? I'll tell you what I love most what? about going to baseball games at Nationals Park is there is something amazingly cool about walking out of the park especially for a night game and seeing the capital in the distance all lit up. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's just such a cool view. It is, it is just, I had a a friend the other day who said that he doesn't like the nationals because he thinks that the name sounds fascist and it bothers him. I don't mind the name uh, as, as much as I detest the logo because it looks like the Walgreens W. Oh yeah. I could see that. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm going to see a Mets game tonight because uh, we got a couple free tickets. So uh, I just thought it was interesting that you went to see a baseball game and I'm going to see a baseball game. It's fun, man. Going back in two weeks. Summer is, uh, you know, you know what we could do here, too, is there's uh, down in Coney Island. There's the Coney Island Cyclones, like a double like team. a minor, minor league team. Yeah, yeah, minor league team. And it's like five dollars to go to a game. And it's oh, man, that would be fun. And it's the 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 stadiums on the beach, essentially. Shut it's up. Like, it's right next to the beach. Wow. It's down in Coney Island. So you're sitting there and you can like hear the ocean and you can, you know. For real, in the stadium. Yeah. I mean, it's a little stadium and it's like right next to the beach. Oh, I like that. So I, I, we have been planning to put a little group together to go to one of those games one night. That could be fun. Apparently they have nights where they give away free hot dogs. Wow. Yeah. Hey. um, Nathan's hot dogs? Well, Nathan's is right there. So uh, I I don't know that they sell Nathan's hot dogs or other hot dogs. I I don't want to speak out of turn because- I don't know. <laughs> I like me some Nathan's hot dogs, man. You do? That's the one you'd go for? I love the Nathan's hot dogs. <clears throat> I'm kind of a Hebrew national all beef kind of guy. Hmm. You know, if I'm cooking at home. There's the natural casing ones that uh, Syracuse likes. Yeah. I don't know what we're talking about right now. Okay, let's, uh, uh, let's get hey, into the show. Just b- before we get too far, <laughs> yeah. uh, while we're talking about like Coney Island and wandering around, uh, there is an OTP get together. Oh, yes. Are you going to be there? Uh, I do not know. I may be at my mother's in Connecticut. That okay. is uh, two weeks. It's the 12th it's the or something? 12th uh, in New Jersey. Yes, at a, uh, a sculpture park or something of uh-huh. some kind. Yeah. Uh, hey, what's yes. this? It's art. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
so it, uh, uh, June 12th, uh, it should be fun. Yeah, there are, fun. the last one at uh, Asbury Park was terrific. That was a good time. I Asbury had, Park's I had very a lot pretty. of fun there. Um, I love that pinball museum. And, pinball machine's great. Man, it was just, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, okay, so check the OTP G Plus group, or if you want details, uh, podcast it on taking pictures, or tweet Bill or myself, and, yep. and we will get back to you uh, with, with much haste and let you know about it. Po- Post haste? Post haste. There you man. go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, so I was talking to a friend of mine the other day uh, about plays. You and I were talking about this before the show started. Yep. And uh, I, I was thinking about reading, uh, 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 what the hell's her name? Annie. Get your gun. No. Leibowitz. No. DeFranco. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. Uh, so there's this playwright uh, named Annie something or other who I can never Annie Baker, who wrote a bunch of plays. One of which, like, won the Pulitzer a few years ago, and uh, called The Flick. And I was thinking of buying a copy. By the way, not available on ebook. Interestingly enough, none of her plays, hmm. which I think is a real uh, at this in this day and age, you should allow people to buy it digitally. It's better for the earth and everything. Um. But I was wondering about buying a play and like reading it as just as literature, just because I don't read a lot of plays. But watching that Horace and Pete Louis C.K. thing made me go, you know, I kind of like the the pace of plays sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I I was going to get it. And I had a friend over the other day who was seriously into the theater thing and went to school for theater and directed a bunch of plays after school and stuff. And uh and I said to him, I asked him if he was, if he thought it was a good idea to like read plays or if, if you should really try to go see them. And he goes, no, I think it's perfectly fine. He goes, and he said that there were a number of plays that he read in college that were written in such a way that they would be difficult, if not impossible to actually perform just because of the setting they're supposed to be in or, you know, some sort of crazy thing, or mm-hmm. it's supposed to be through time and how would sure, you even sure. do the stage setting or whatever it is. And I just think it's interesting. It's sort of like you're, you are... Um, it's it's like writing a book that can't be read in some ways. You know what I mean? It's like, because you're not writing a, a narrative. You're not writing a book. You're writing a play, but it's a play that cannot be played. It's like taking a photograph that can't be seen except for by you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was wondering if how, what you thought about all that. If, if that's if that's an interesting way to go or or pretense. I, I don't think it's pretense at all. I love writing. I love, I love writing plays. I love reading plays. And, yeah. you know, we had to read a lot in college, obviously, but it's something that, that has stuck with me. There is something about, and I think maybe it's because I'm a fan of, of dialogue. I'm a fan of, of conversation. And, you know, you and I have talked about West Wing at length. Yep. Sure. Um, Which is most definitely a script, like a, a theater script. Yeah. And, yep. and when it's done well, it's, it's a joy to read yep. and it's, and it's, and it's, uh, I don't think it needs to be produced on stage in order to be appreciated. Okay. Uh, and, and <laughs> although the West Wing is a good example because Conrad brought that up yesterday when she and I were talking about this and she said, you know, yes, you would enjoy reading those plays, but it's not the same as Martin Sheen talking to John Spencer. No, it's not. But that was, you could, that was pretty much perfectly cast. Yes. Well, okay. that's the, I mean, that's how what's so special plays, about that show. Yeah. How many yeah. plays have you seen that, that read much better than they actually played? Yeah. 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 You know, and it's, 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 it's not unlike getting ideas for photo shoots, 
yep. or paintings or, you know, a- any other creative endeavor that, that maybe it sounds better on paper, but the doing of it either exceeds your ability or exceeds your budget or exceeds logic. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> so, but the idea is enough. So therefore these people coming up with these crazy ideas and writing them, even though it can't be performed, they, they, they did the important, the important part of the process happened, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and then the other, the, the reverse happens too. I mean, we were talking about Hamilton before the show. I think it would be really, really dry to read Hamilton, <laughs> to read the play. Sure. Versus watching and experiencing that. Well, that's also music, right? So that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a whole other layer on on top of that. But yeah, sure. no, I got you. It's just, uh, it, it's interesting. You know, the whole do the work thing, there is an interesting element of uh, is, I mean, yes, the work is important, but you also do need that spark, that initial idea. Sure. You, know? you could do a whole lot of work taking pictures of matchbook covers and it's, you know, and it might not be that might not come to that much unless you have an interesting way of attacking matchbook covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of need both. It's like uh, you need the oxygen and the flame. You know what I mean? Yes. You need the oxygen yes. and the spark. That's a better way yeah. to put it. Well, and I, I think a lot of, a lot of what we do as as folks trying to make things um, is thinking about possibility. Okay. Yeah. You know, we we try and we try and decide what it is that we are capable of, and then hopefully you push a little bit beyond that, and that's where something interesting happens. Right. 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 You got you got to feel a little uncomfortable. That's what they say. Right. And I I think the older I get and the more, the more comfortable I get moving the needle. Okay. Trying to move the needle. The the more. Why do you get more comfortable doing that as you get older? Less self-concern? I'm, I'm less, I, I question whether or not I'm good as time goes on. I spend, I, I don't spend as much time lately and I don't know if it's, you know, part of it I think was the move. Part of it is, is where I'm at. Part of it is looking back on my body of work because I've been, I've been doing some, some shifting in how I, how I not only see myself, but how I want to present myself. Sure. And I'm looking back at my body of work and I don't play up what I have done, what I do. I don't, I don't do that. And I don't, that, that's another story. But if I look back on it, I go, wow, there's some great stuff in there. There's some really good work in there. Right. And the, the idea that I, that I keep questioning whether or not I am capable of X, Y, or Z is becoming less and less important. The more time I spend reflecting on previous iterations of X, Y, Z. Okay. So if I start with a baseline of, of, of good, if I start with a baseline of, of I am good at X. Yep. And maybe this helps you, you folks that are listening. If, if you, if you are capable and if you are, are pursuing your passion, chances are you are, you have demonstrated or are demonstrating some skill. 
Right. Is that fair? Okay. So, yeah. So, so quit worrying about whether or not you're good enough to do it and just go do it. Sure. Yep. And you think that you do, you do less of the thinking about whether or not you're good enough to do it as you get older. I do. I because, do. Yeah. Because I mean, you had more experience or just because you don't give a crap anymore. Um, it's not that I don't care. I care very deeply. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess I mean that you don't, whether or not you are good enough is less and less relevant to the reality of doing it. Um, you know, I don't even know. I, that it's- I may, I may be a crappy baseball hitter, right? I may like, you know, whiff every single time I go out there and connect with the ball once a day. But if I enjoy hitting the ball, who cares whether or not I'm good at it? No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, that's not the way I feel at all. Okay. Then, then I, okay. I don't feel like I whiff all the time. I feel just the opposite. No, I'm not saying like, that you do. I'm saying it doesn't matter if I do or do not. It's like, I'd like doing it. So therefore it doesn't matter whether I'm good or not. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't agree with it though. Cause okay. I, I, I have to see there is, there is the idea of having to enjoy it and loving to, to, to go through it, but there has to be some, some proof in the pudding at the end of the day. Okay. And I, I look at, Judged by yourself, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I look at whether it's design work, which I, I miss terribly. I, I have decided that, that that's an area that I have, that I have let languish for, for far too long. And it's one of the reasons that I'm enjoying doing the book is right. I'm getting to flex some of those muscles that, that haven't been flexed in a while. Um, and I'm, I'm finding that I miss that. I like the idea of design. I like the idea of layout. I like the, the process of, of color and shape and form and texture. And maybe that evolves into doing design work for other people again, yep. uh, laying out books, laying out, you know, not so much web. Um, I really like the renaissance of print that's, that's kind of come back around. Sure. Anyway, all that to say, um, Make good the baseline. Okay. We, 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 we hear over and over and over again, oh, you got to be different. You got to be different. You got to be different. Yeah. Different, man. You got to be different. Everybody's good. How are you different? Yeah, but everybody's not good. There is so much shit work out there. Pardon my expression, but there is so much shit work out there. And I think we have gotten into, into this, we have been lulled into this, this, uh, need to be different in such a way that we have forgotten that different should be the evolution of good. Right. That I agree. If, if, if you are not good, if the work is not good, I don't care how different it is. Yeah. You know, and I've been watching a lot of these like 30 days of genius, this Chase Jarvis thing that's been going on in creative live. And, and that's one of his big sort of things is, is, Oh, you gotta be different. You gotta be different. You gotta be different. Well, gotta yeah. Find your niche. Yeah, you do. And then I'm, I'm, you know, I was watching some uh, Alton Brown on one of the one of the cooking shows and he said the same thing. He's like, you know, people have 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 become so focused on being different that you've forgotten how to make good food. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, speaking of food, uh, John Wilkening. Thank you for this. Uh, John, sent John sent me, he said, go watch what he's something to the, I, I'm going to paraphrase here, John, but he sent me a text and said, I dare you to watch the first episode of season two of chef's table and not come away inspired. Yeah. People talk about this show uh, in high regard. I have not watched it. 
It is fantastic. It is fantastic. Uh, Grant, what is his last name? Now I'm going to, I'm going to butcher, I'm going to butcher Don't it. butcher the name. Don't do it. Uh, his restaurant is called Alinea. That okay. is one of them. Um, oh, no, 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 no. One, one moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where is it? Grant A. Schatz. A-C-H-A-T-Z. Uh, Alinea next, the aviary. This guy is doing things with food that I, I, I don't even understand. I don't, I don't have, I don't have the, the vocabulary, nor do I have the palate, I would imagine, yeah. to understand what he's doing. And, and it's not just for the sake of it's, it's not, it's not this sort of foodie masturbation. It's, it's, he's building on a baseline of, I know flavors. I know textures. I know colors. I know presentation, all that stuff. I know all that stuff. So now what do we do? Now, how can I transform materials? How can I transform taste? How can I, uh, one, one little example, they take, uh, uh, I believe it was heirloom tomato. Okay. And they puree them and they, they, they freeze them in the mold of a strawberry. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, other flavors as well. So, so he's playing with, with how you see and experience food and taste. Uh, there's a balloon that he makes out of, out of sugar that, that has helium in it. And they bring it out to your table and there's a little weight on the bottom of it. And, and, this is how you eat this, this sugary A friend of mine was telling thing. me just about that scene exactly the other day. Yeah. And it is, it, it, it's, it's amazing. And uh, uh, I am hoping, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I, I would love to talk to him. I, I, I tweeted something about it and both he and the producer of the show liked it. So I would like to pursue that and have a conversation with him because I, I as I said, I don't have the vernacular to even understand what he's doing. And I would love to unpack some of that. You know, food stuff is, is tricky. I was up at, um, tall day, this restaurant near us and, uh, the chef bun, the guy who's like the head chef there now, um, is a friend of ours. And whenever we go, we order a bunch of stuff. And then he always invariably sends out stuff to us too. you know, compliments of the chef, you know, which is all very, very sweet. And he, he sent us some stuff the other day and he brought out a, uh, pan fried foie gras, with like some sort of tomato and like some broth or something like that. It was like some weird dish. Now, have you ever had foie gras? No. Either had I. <laughs> that's the that's the the duck liver. Yeah. Is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. 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 Or no, wait. Is that uh, is it duck or, or is, that is pate? it pate? No, 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 no. That that's that's goose liver. I it's, am not it's, a it's, huge foodie person. Well, either am I, and I will tell you that I don't know that I actually I eat. I had a bite of, uh, you know, a, a good sized bite of it and it, it does not match my, pa- like either, like you were saying, I don't know that I have the vocabulary to describe what it was that I put in my mouth. <laughs> you know, it didn't taste like anything I've ever put in my mouth. And I personally don't know that I liked that, but I guess for people who are real foodies, that's part of the fun is like, Oh my God, I've never had this flavor in my mouth. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I think I, if, if I were to go to, for example, Alinea, uh, chef, chef, yep. a restaurant. 
I don't know that I would want to be told ahead of time What's what it? it is I was eating. I think I would, I would have too many of my own preconceptions about what that is or isn't going to taste like, whether I do or don't like it, whether or not I've had it before. Yeah. I think I would have to, I would have to, I would have to trust chef implicitly that, that he, 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 he is providing or creating an experience. <laughs> That's also safe for you to eat. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't, I don't want that, uh, that, uh, what's the, what's the fish where you have to, the, oh, the, yeah, the, the, fugu? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. If you don't cut it right. Yeah. Yeah. It was an episode of the Simpsons where it's like poison, a poison. A tasty fish. Or <laughs> <laughs> he's cutting. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I would have to go in. I would have to go in trusting his ability, trusting right. his knowledge, trusting his experience. And I think bringing that around back around to photography. Yeah. I think that's how you, yeah. or I, or anybody listening, at on some level has to approach the job at hand. Is you have to you have to trust that. The hardware is going to do its job and your experience and ability are going to do their jobs. And if, and if you, if you fail, <laughs> you know, although failure in photography is a little different than failure in food in some ways. Um, it just didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. Yes. But you and I don't have to show that to anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Like his, I mean, and yes, I'm sure he spends a lot of time messing around with things and eating it himself to figure out whether it's worth serving to somebody. But then he also has to recreate it over and over again for everyone who orders it and yeah. do it, you know, on some level of consistency. What I found fascinating about this particular episode is, again, going back, to, I hate to belabor this, but going back to this faith in his ability, this faith in his experience, this faith in his in his, uh, uh, himself, really. He got cancer. Right. And uh, lost his ability to taste. Not a good thing for a chef. No. And while he was uh, uh, convalescing, uh, he was still coming up with dishes. He would, he would draw them out on Bristol board he would imagine what the combination would be. Yes, even because if he, he, taste he, he knew acid, starch, sugar. Sure. And I found that absolutely fascinating. That, yeah, he that, saw it as chemistry as much as... Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, uh, what, did, what did Fielding call him? A food physicist. Sure, yeah. You well, know? if you want to go there, you go to the Nathan Mirvolds, you know, the gold, uh, the, the Microsoft chief technology officer who left and all, all he does is make like crazy food concoctions and figure out the best way to do food stuff. He's like the, he's like one of those people who's, who's, oh, I'll, I'll find out a thing. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Anyway, it was fascinating. And, and if listeners, uh, go take a look at it. Chef's table season two, the opener. Uh, it, it begins with, with chef walking through an art gallery, musing on, materials and and the transformation of materials and this one of the reasons that this kind of stuck out for me too was this word transformation i've been talking to a number of people here in dc curators uh conservators even artists who have come for lectures and and, and this idea of transformation 
is 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 core to so many people's discussions of art. Do you think that do you think that that's in vogue right now? You know what I mean? Like that's like that's the that's the flavor of the decade is the idea of transformation. I don't know. I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong. I'm just I mean, you know, you could go I've heard back, that a lot too. You go back 30,000 years to the cave paintings in France yeah. and it's it's what like vegetable dye or yeah, yeah. Or, or animal Of course it was protein. transformation. I guess what I mean is the the way of describing it as as transformation being the the essential element. It can be. I think it can be a little buzzwordy. Yeah. There's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. It, it it depends on, I think it depends on who's talking about it. That's funny that I couldn't remember the buzzword for buzzword. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it can be yeah. um, a little overused. Yeah. You know, but, but uh, there is something to it. And, and is it necessary for something to be art, to be, or for something to have, uh, have some sort of transformation. I don't know. Oh, a lot um, of people would say that that would be the definition, right? Yeah. I mean, it, is it, is it a transformation of materials? It is a transformation of ideas. Is it, is it a transformation on the part of the observer, the yeah. viewer? Well, yeah. What, what, what changed within you by seeing it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and kind of going, going back to this, this food program, before I watched it, you know, again, it goes, it kind of goes back to this Pollock discussion that we've had over and over again about, about when I heard, if, if I were just to look at the food, if I were to look at the, the hero shots for each of the dishes that they show, it would be a no across the board. Yes. There, it, I, I'm, I am not eating that thing, whatever that thing is. And even for Grant Achetz. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, but hearing, Hearing him talk about it, hearing the artist describe the work, hearing the artist describe the impetus for the work yep. makes it more compelling for me. Okay. You know? Yep. Now, one of the things that I would love to ask him is how do you, how do you share or, or teach or um, provide a framework for for Joe Q public for me, yep. To understand the work, to understand what you're doing, and to appreciate it. As someone who who is not a foodie and right. who who eats by and large for utility, or I have I have the you know the five things that I really really like. How do you explain? How do you, how do you teach me a new vernacular and enough of a new vernacular to appreciate? And have an experience, and okay. you can make this disi- you can make this distinction with with anything with you as a photographer. Absolutely, you are having to to uh, not educate. That's the wrong word. You are having to explain or or qualify your viewer to a certain extent to what you're trying to do. Sure, but but I think that there's also an opportunity. There, okay. Uh, Let's keep it in the. I'll come back to photography in a second. But there's a there's another series on Netflix called Cooked that Michael Pollan does, mm-hmm. where it's four episodes. And the first one he's talking about meat and cooking, and he goes and hangs out with that Ed, whatever his name is. You know, the like the larger black fellow down in uh, New- North Carolina is like the barbecue pope. 
kind of oh, guy. Oh, okay. Sure, sure, yeah. You know yeah I guy? don't know his name, but I have seen him before. And on something that. or other. Yeah. And, uh, and then he, he, he talks to Nathan Mirvolds and all these other people. The first one is about barbecue. Second one's about boiling stuff and like the, the chemical reactions that happen. Third one's about like bread and yeast and like things like from the air coming in. But like he brings it down to the point where it's so it's like you, we need to simplify this and show people that all of these things that are the fundamentals of eating and cooking have been around for thousands of years. And by sort of starting from scratch, you have appreciation for things that are fancier. So maybe the, there's an element of that with photography where people have more appreciation for photography because they themselves are taking more pictures nowadays. You know Maybe. what I mean? Put some, yeah. put a camera in somebody's hands, let them take some pictures. They'll see how hard it is to take good pictures. And then maybe they look at the pictures of Michael Kenna or somebody and they go, Oh, I see why that's so hard or so impressive where mm-hmm. I didn't think it was impressive before. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So, no, that makes sense. That so, makes sense. so, so maybe your guy is, is so far on the leading edge of that. You know, he's the, he's the photographer that you and I appreciate that my mom wouldn't appreciate because we know how much goes into doing what he or she does. You know what I mean? And, and maybe. so, yeah, so, but I don't, I don't, this is what I'm trying to say is I don't know what goes into it. I, I see you making this, this balloon out of sugar, or I see this, there was another dish that he makes and they, they bring this little thing out to the table and they light it on fire and, and they bring you this other course and, and it's a, it's a, a course of ahi, I think, or some sort of, yeah. I think it was ahi tuna. And, and you, you hold your ahi tuna over the, the flame and sear it. And then you, you eat that. But all the while your main course or one of the other courses is hidden inside the fire and it's been cooking at your table while you've been eating while the other you've thing. been eating the other thing completely unbeknownst to you right 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 you know and and that idea of of completely sort of creatively throwing your your viewer for a loop is is endlessly fascinating to me and it's also almost as much about the presentation as it is about the food in those cases no it's absolutely about the presentation. Yeah. It's ab- the the entire the entire meal is presented as an experience. It may or may not taste that great, blind of all of these other things that go along. Mm-hmm. But maybe that you know, it's, I'm sure it does. I'm just saying, like it may or may not. But but there's so much in the theater of it, right? That well, therefore I, it imbues it with some level of quality. So I start thinking about the the plate of food as a as a canvas or a photograph and how how can we transform or eh, let's not use that buzzword uh-huh. how 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 can we create a different experience yeah. for viewers of art and by extension photography a more compelling experience rather than just walking up looking at food on a plate rather than just walking up looking at a canvas or a framed print, how, how, do we, how do we draw the viewer in and give them more of a personal or compelling experience with that work? And it's one of the questions that's plaguing museums right now because yeah. they are dependent on either the little card next to the, next to the, to the work or the, uh, the show catalog, which copies are, are, are strewn strewn are left around the exhibit well you're not most most viewers are not going to sit down and thumb through a 300 page catalog or now the audio guides are all yeah and and read some essay 
yeah. about. I, you know what's interesting? Okay, so uh, we went to the Met, uh, whatever, six months ago or eight months ago. I think I talked about this on the show where there there were four Van Goghs there that were different flowers, and it was turned out they were all cut from the same bolts of cloth. Do you remember me talking about this? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So they're all in different uh, museums now, and they were all there at the same time for the first time since they were painted, you know, back in 1887 or whatever the hell it was. And part of what was neat about it was, yes, the paintings were there, but when you turned around, there was sort of a video presentation on the wall that talked about the history of the pieces and how they got where they are and how we painted them and how the colors have shifted over time and all this kind of stuff. But one thing that it, that, that was really great about it was that there was no pretense in the information they were giving you. They were giving you like, you know, look, you know, we, we figured out by the fact that these edges match that this was cut for, uh, from one bolt of cloth and that he used these, in, these, uh, ingredients in the paints and all the rest of it, but it did not use any word that was more than two or three syllables, you know, where a lot of labels for a lot of this stuff get so flowery that I don't think that a lot of people care what they say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that that it's a curator trying to show off more than it is trying to actually transmit information over what makes it so lovely in, in a common vernacular. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's part of, um, that's part of the conundrum, right? That's part of, of, yeah. of one of the part of the problems with, with museums is they want, they want the common man to come visit and, and, and to 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 be a part of that experience, but there's still sort of this erudite. They want to show mentality. off and show that they're more than the common man. Yeah, there, there's still this. We will tell you what you need to know. Yeah. Rather than than letting there be a dialogue or or a, a, a brief conversation between the viewer. Yeah. And the work or the viewer and the conservator or the viewer and the artist even. Yep. You know, and some of the, you know, a couple of weeks ago I went to see um, uh, this Cuban artist speak and at, at, at the National Gallery. Yep. And uh, it was terrific, but there were maybe 12, 15 people there. Right. Yeah. The average person just doesn't, it doesn't plus them. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. So how how do you how do you share that sort of <laughs> well, soul lifting uh 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 bliss that can be experiencing yeah. art yeah. without how, it sounding like it has to lift your soul and be bliss. Yeah. How how do you get people to spend a piece of their attention budget on art? Yeah. You know, because they're busy spending their attention budget on a billion other things on their phone all the time, right? So, you know, can I just say that there's a my friend who works up at the diner's little sisters there, and, and she was like, you know, they're talking about having movie theaters that have like a section in the back where you can text while you're doing it because millennials they just they can't they can't be without their phones. And Heather and I were like, no, they choose not to be without their right, phones. Right. Like, this, none of, there's nothing can't. You know, yeah. like turn I, your I, phone I, off for yeah. two hours and watch the movie. Like, I, I like the other way that, that some of the theaters in in the UK are using uh, Faraday cage wallpaper. Oh, that's so, cute. So they've got you know these little, shut it down. Yeah, these little car, uh, copper filaments running through the wallpaper, and you get zero signal. I wonder so if just, that just put it away. I wonder if that 
uh, is legal in the U.S. because jamming is is illegal in the U.S. I wonder if you know just keeping the signal out by non-active means by passive means would be considered jamming. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. Anyway, just, I don't see, know. How, wait, how old are you? You're you're forty one. Forty one. Uh, I don't I don't know if this was a regional thing. Do you remember crying rooms in theaters? Uh, you mean certain things where babies could go in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they used to have at at the back of the theater in in some of the theaters there was a crying room and it was a soundproof room so that if you brought a young child and and you know they got sick or they started crying you could go back in this room and and it wouldn't you could you could still watch the movie and it wouldn't disturb anybody else. I had not heard of those until now and I'm looking at a Wikipedia entry about them. Weird. Yeah. In some uh, venues, they were called infant care rooms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I mean, did I, not know of this. I, I maybe this is a regional these. thing. So maybe, maybe if that's if that's the case, if you if you absolutely cannot live without your phone, yeah, fine. You have to sit in the back in this room with everyone else, so that the glow and the sound or whatever doesn't disturb. Yeah, that's weird. Electric bottle warmers, complimentary formula, and a nurse on duty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy, right? It, it actually says that they banned them in 1912. So how old are you, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> huh. They said they uh, fell out of favor. The last one closed in 1952. It's very odd that you remember this. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I never knew about that. But yep. yeah, that's the thing. It's, but at the same time, it's like a baby can't help it. You no. know, like You are an adult. You can help it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Put your phone away. Put your uh phone. hey, we got an email from Jonathan Crane lambasting us. Would you would that's not fair. I think that's a little harsh. <laughs> I was being slightly hyperbolic. Yeah. Uh uh just asking us why we never talk about landscape photographers or landscape photography and uh what well, we think about it. And then okay, he, so first of all, never is a kid always, and yeah. that's that's wrong. We don't talk about it very much. I don't know why it doesn't come up. I I I love landscape photography. In fact, wasn't yeah. last last week our photographer of the week was a, was a, uh was a landscape photographer. Still is. Yeah, actually yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah. Right. Kenna. Um Hey, some of my favorite photographers are landscape photographers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't. I it's it's certainly not intentional on my part. Yeah. Um, Although I, you and I, I tend know. to like the landscape photography that we do like, almost becomes not that we don't like Ansel Adams esque good landscape photography, right? But I think that you and I both generally appreciate more sort of minimalist landscape photography. I think that's fair. I I tend to I more am, graphic kind of feeling stuff. Yeah, I, mean, I I tend to gravitate more towards. You know, I mentioned a couple of people last week: Doug Chinnery, Valda Bailey, uh, Chris Friel is another one that I really like. Um, yeah, I, I straight straight landscapes like the Ansel Adams uh, kind of thing. Um, I think there's a place for them, but I I just has don't, that been done? I don't know that it's been done. I wouldn't I wouldn't you know I wouldn't want to presume to say that. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to disrespect the people that 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 do it because I think there is definitely a place for it, and and it is akin as 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 um, was pointed out. It is very much like street photography 
in that you you find one of the techniques is you find an interesting place and and this you, is what what Ansel would do and wait for it. the light. Yep. You you yeah. you work the subject and you wait for the light. Yeah. As a as a friend of the show Gary Yost once said, landscape photography is shooting the weather. Um, I I don't think it's that simple. Yeah. Um, but if the weather's not cool, your photographer your, your photograph is probably not going to work. Yeah. Right. Like your your weather is a huge element of landscape photography. Sure. 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 Yeah. I mean, you could. You, there's a, a one of the craft and vision authors, a guy named Michael Fry. Um, his backyard, if you will, is Yosemite. So here's a guy who is has tasked himself with photogra- photographing Yosemite in a way that that is somehow different from Ansel Adams. I think you got to go to the back country to do something with that. Well, and his work is brilliant, but I, I think it. I if you look at it, I would say that it's moodier. Um, I would say that, um, he, he uses color, which gives the, the work, I think a different, a different feel and he's framing things with color. So there's, there's not only time of day, but there's time of year Sure, where these things change dramatically. He's playing with exposure, um, in terms of time and aperture yep. so that it's not just let's shoot this at F64 and everything is tack sharp. Yep. Let's let's play with light and shadow and and time and lead the eye around. And I think that's one of the fascinating things about landscape photography is is time plays a larger role in in the success or failure of the image. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. And, and you know, and, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I, time. Yeah. It's it's in fact, I think that there are less. One of the things that Jonathan wrote in and asked, he's like, you know, I go around and I take pictures of a mushroom on a stump. He's like, but I didn't put the mushroom there. So am I making art or am I creating documentation of the mushroom? And I think that's where what you're saying is comes in is is those decisions that you get to make perhaps are the distinction between taking a picture of a mushroom and then creating art using that mushroom. Sure. But, but yeah. you're still making art. You're still, and as I, as I wrote back to him, you're still making a decision. You're still looking and seeing and, and whereas, you know, many people would walk by that mushroom. Yep. You, you chose s- to, you, you saw something there. You, yep. yeah, you chose to stop. You chose to, to work that subject, to find something interesting. Yeah. I mean, look, and you and he and I might all take pictures of it from different angles, the way you frame it. The, I mean, there's all kinds of elements of that. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, hello, bell peppers, nautilus shells, sure. cauliflower. Yep. You know, yeah, you didn't you Dirty. didn't make the nautilus shell. You didn't grow the cauliflower. You didn't sculpt the the, the green pepper. But in in Weston's mind, in, in behind Weston's lens, through Weston's filter, however you want to say it, they became something beautiful eh? they right. transformed uh they transformed themselves into beautiful he transformed them yeah so you know i i i have i have nothing I, it's, again it's not it's not intentional but john or jonathan i guess uh you are absolutely making something you are absolutely contributing to the stream you are absolutely seeing the world around you and as i told you in the email that's the crux of it is seeing. Yep. Agreed. And you know what? Like actually thinking it and actually doing it, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, Lots of people think about it and never sure. do it. So that's the, the fact that you thing. even stop and do it is... I mean, look, uh, uh, one of the great photographers, considered one of the great photographers of all time, Irving Penn, mm-hmm. a body of work of trash in the streets, Yep. cigarette butts, gloves, cigarette wrappers, bits of detritus. I mean, it's just... It is how you see. It's what you see. It is, it is, it is filtering the world through your lens. That's right. your job as a photographer. That's yeah. your job. The subject matter is almost irrelevant. Yeah. There, there's an interesting question of, and I think different people would answer different things, of whether or not you should – I think you and I would agree that you should see the imprint of the photographer on the photo. Well, in some way, that's the goal, right? Right, right. But I'm sure that there are other people who are photographers who say, no, my goal is to take that picture and do it really well and do it so well that you forget that I even ever took that picture. Um, See what I'm saying? Like, like, uh, uh, ending with a white sheet of paper, even though you've written the whole play on it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's sort of this, this sort of minimalist concept. I, I would find more of a Zen thing. Yeah, I would find less satisfaction in that as an artist. Yes. I would find less satisfaction in not seeing at least a smudged fingerprint by me. That doesn't have to scream, yeah. Jeffrey did this. But <laughs> I, 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 would, I would like there to be a little bit of, of me, of my perception, of my vision, of, of my filter, however you need to say it, in that picture. I, th- I think it would be awesome if you hired somebody to stand next to the painting and go, Jeffrey did this. Right. <laughs> Just shouting it constantly at random intervals. Um, hey, uh, we did Michael Kenna as our photographer of the week a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, a listener, Emra, wrote in, Emra Erdoran. Er- Erdoran? What do you think? Emra Erdoran. That looks about right. Yeah. Emra Erdoran? Yeah, uh, wrote in to tell us that he was very surprised that you and I weren't huge fans and that he wasn't super famous here because apparently uh, where where he lives in Norway, he's super well-known, big, mm-hmm. fancy, famous guy. I and, hadn't ever heard of him. I think it was Wilkening who, uh, yeah, who turned yeah. me on to him. And uh, either had I. Although I will point out that neither Jeffrey nor I have any real formal training in photography and photo history. Do you? No, I mean, beyond no, it's, like it's right. So reading, you know, I, it's it's. There's plenty of stuff we've missed, and that's oh, yeah. part of the fun of this is us finding people that we perhaps wouldn't have found before. Right. Uh, anyway, he pointed us to a uh, YouTube video, a series of three YouTube videos that are encompass a half hour little documentary about him. Although, uh, can I tell you? It, it, well, uh, okay, it, it reads subtitled in Spanish. That doesn't look like Spanish subtitles to me. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, that it is looks what like it says. Japanese is, or is it kanji? Uh, let me let me uh, get to some place where he's like, talking. Go to like, oh yeah, uh, that's one forty three. Actually, I think it, it is kanji, but I think it might. It almost looks like Korean or Chinese. Well, kind there, of terrible some, about that. I know we're, somebody we're, over there. We're blowing a, away listeners right and left in our ignorance right now. Yeah, uh, apologies. Yeah, but yes, it's definitely not subtitled in Espanol. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but it is a i watched it this morning and it's all very good there's three parts uh, you should go check it out uh it's it's michael kenna in hokkaido japan mm-hmm. uh northern japan 
and uh, it just looks cold. I just can't. I can't get. Yeah, where past. he's trudging through the snow with the camera, and he's like, yeah. Oh, I oh. can't get past how cold it, it, it looks. Yeah, but it was uh, very interesting. And if you enjoyed the conversation about him, go watch the videos because they're good. Because uh, it was good. Yeah, he seems like an interesting fellow. Uh, yeah, and and it, he says in one point, he says, you know, I could do a lot of what I do digitally. I understand that technology has moved on. Um. But I enjoy the process of making my pictures the way I make my pictures, and that's why I still do it the way I do it. That he wouldn't get as much satisfaction if he did it the "quote unquote" easy way, the faster. Right. Way. Right. Well, he's he's it's process. He's he's working for that image. Yeah, and the the joy that he you know it's interesting. I mean, we there is the there is the final product. There is the making a living. Perhaps there is showing it to other people. There is all of that kind of stuff. Right. And all that stuff is fun and all that stuff is somewhat useful or required. But ultimately, the thing you're going to remember about taking the picture is probably taking the picture, you know, and that's something that we can all have that experience, regardless of the success of the picture beyond the experience of taking it, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I think there's something like lovely about that. Um, You know, the joy of writing is the joy of writing, whether or not you're writing something that's going to last like Shakespeare. It's like, it's like you still have that moment where you were sitting there and you came up with an idea and you wrote it down on paper or, you know, yeah. I, and I a lot that's of really writers, wonderful. Will, uh, Tim Ferriss, I listened to, to a talk with him. Um, Brene Brown will tell you the same thing. Um, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert, just write, just get it down because you're, 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 you're going to write crap. Yeah. But, you can't get to the good stuff until you write the crap. Yep. Yeah. You know, you, what, what, who, who said the, your, your first 10,000 photos are your worst. Uh, yeah. Who was that? Was it Bresson? Uh, might've been, it's one of those anyway, guys, but it's, it's, you know, Although it's, it, it's interesting. I was, well, we'll get to it next or in a couple of seconds. Uh, uh, there's a new set of DNRBIS pictures that are going into, there's a, there's a new Met gallery. I think that's where the Whitney used to be. Uh, Met Brewer is, is the is that at the end of the train line by the High Line? Uh, the New Whitney is yeah down the bottom yeah. I'd like to go see that. Uh, it's it's nice. Uh, I I have mixed feelings about the building and the way it is, but there is some work there that is their their standard collection is beautiful. Uh, wait, mixed feelings about the about building the itself, building. the architecture, or the collection that's in it? Uh, the 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 architecture and the way they design the whole thing. Hmm. Um, I've never seen it. I'll have to go look. Yeah. I mean, it, not just from the outside, but also like getting around it on the inside and just the way they did it. It's not, it's not my favorite place in the world, but a lot of other people really love it. So whatever. Um, Can you get to it right from the High Line? Uh, is, it, is it at literally no, the end you, of the you, High you, Line? No, you walk downstairs and you have to take a right and walk over to it. Oh, but, it but is I mean, you, don't, you don't have to take line. transportation. It's, it's, it's walkable once you're there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it's yeah. walkable anyway. It's New York. <laughs> but, but yeah, but yes, you could... Uh, you, if you're walking down to the bottom of the high line, it's another hundred feet away. Um, so there, there is a bunch of DNRBIS photos that have never, apparently haven't been seen. Uh, but here's, what's interesting. Uh, she set out becoming to become an artist at the ripe age of 33, numbering her negatives sequentially from one to more than 6,000 before her su- suicide in 1971, which means that she only took 6,000 pictures in her entire right. career. Right. 
And I thought that that was really like the, yeah. the her, idea of her, no, her entire career was less than unity. Mike shoots at a wedding. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> my point. Or, you know, Ache Love took you, what, Mike. what did Ache take a thousand pictures in his life or something? Yeah, right. You yeah, know? Yeah. Um, I just think that that's really, it's fascinating. 6,000, you know, that's not I did, that I many. I had no idea. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either, but I'm gonna put the link in the, in the show notes. I, I plan to go see this show. I don't know how long it's going on. I'll have to, uh, find out. Uh, it's called uh, Dean Arbus in the beginning opens July 12th hmm. and uh, uh, maybe in fact, maybe we can even put together a little se- it's November, tw- uh, July 12th to November 27th. So maybe we can put together a little group to go up and see it. That could be, uh, fun. that would be really fun. Um, so anyway, I just thought that that one to 6,000 is amazing. Like 6,000 pictures. I, I, you know what I would love in the caption um, for them to tell you what number it was. Yeah. What number it is. Where is this in 6,000 pictures? Right. Right. And, and, you know, let us see kind of where this is on the continuum of her career. <laughs> Can you do that after the fact? Could I start numbering my pictures now and figure out how, what, how many pictures I've taken that are in my collection and then start at 126,212 or something? You know what I mean? I don't think so. Too late. You got to start at the beginning. You got to start at the beginning. Got to start at one. Yeah, uh, you've got to start at one. Uh, <laughs> true in photography. Na- <laughs> true so wait, life. okay. So wait a minute. Uh, Randy Kennedy is the who is the who's the curator? Uh, ah, curator Jeff L. Rosenheim said. Oh, okay, Jeff L. Rosenheim. Yeah, look him up. I am Jeff L. Rosenheim because I I would like to know. You know, again, this this is something that I think is is missing from not just the museum experience, but the gallery experience, the art experience is why did, why did Jeff select these photographs for this article to get to the other side? Right. <laughs> you know, um, what, what is important about these pieces? And it's, it's, I, I am so grateful that I have met some of the people that I've met here because on occasion, when I go to these museums, I get to walk around with the people that had something to do with the show and they explain, well, here's when this changed. Here's why this is important. Yeah. You know, at the print show that's up, there are a couple uh, Winslow Homer images and Classics. it's like, well, here's where Winslow Homer went from being an illustrator to an artist. Sure. Here's where it changed. Yeah. And you wouldn't know that. You would just see, you know, three or four Winslow Homer pictures. But and then I and then I can ask a question. Well, why? Why? Why is that? Why, what? What makes this picture more special, more important, more compelling, more significant than the picture three feet away from it, yeah. which to my eye doesn't look that different? Yep. And yeah. that's that's what I think is missing in the conversation between between those who display art and those who experience art. I you know there's a there's the the great the the five prostitutes. Picasso painting, you know, like the beginning of cubism and all that right, kind of stuff. Right. And it's at moment, it's on the wall. It's a big giant, you know, 96 by 92 inches, big giant square thing. And it's, uh, I think 1907. And right next to it is another picture of like a woman from 1906. And you're like, look, that was 1906. And then boom, 1907. 
Like this is where it started. Like you see, you know, he went from that and you can see a little bit of all of 1906 in the 1907, but you can see where he changed and why this is so different. And it's nice that they have them right next to each other, you know, Mm -hmm. that you can kind of see. It gives you a little bit of context. Right. But you wouldn't necessarily notice unless you read the date on the one next Mm -hmm. to it, you Mm -hmm. know, to actually Mm -hmm. put that together. But it's almost like they need to put a before and after sign above the two of them. You know, just like, like just bang over the heads of people with it, you know, BC, AC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, I we'll, we'll we'll see if we can put together a group, but I, I would love to go see the Arbus show. So, if any of our friends who uh, like putting these things together uh, want to give uh, us a hand with that one, let us know because I would yeah, love to great. make that happen. Now, what, uh, what would be really cool, yeah, is is if we could get a few minutes with Mister Rosenheim. Well, we could certainly try. That would be fantastic. Well, Again, to ask and answer some of these questions. Let's give him a call. He'd be like, why didn't you put the numbers on the, on the labels, man? He's just yeah. like, uh, because, no, man, why'd you do it? Oh, good one, Jeff. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You suck. Well, We're going to talk you about me, you on you our show next week. bring my little labeler up there? I got one of those little <laughs> label machines. <laughs> Poor guy. He's like the <laughs> nicest man on earth. Right, right. Offers to buy us lunch. Yeah, yeah. Come on, what can I do? What can I do? <laughs> He's like, oh, I'll go get my label maker right now. We'll do yeah. it. You like sandwiches? We have some sandwiches. Come on up. <laughs> Everyone gets to take one home. You can take right. a print home. Um, can, I, can I just tell you as a side note? Yeah. Uh, I love the typography in this article. Which article? The the the, the New York Times article. The Arbus love, one? Yeah, the font okay. that they're using for the the headers. Look at that G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this? What is this font right it's, here? Well, it's got to be something. Do they use custom fonts on here? Yes, they it do. is. Yeah, where is it? New York Times something. Chelton, Cheltenham. Yeah, so it must. NYT Cheltenham. Ah, so it's their own font. It's a who- lovely font. Is it available? I don't know. I'm going to find out. NYT Cheltenham. It's a typeface. Uh Designed in 1896 by Bertram Goodhue and Ingalls Kimball. They must have uh, recreated it. It's the part of the arts and craft movement. American Type Founders Foundry. Huh. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, 1904 officially released. But yeah, there must be, they must have created their own version for for this purpose. Yeah, prominent usage. Uh, 2003 New York Times introduced a more unified Cheltenham typographic palette for its headline use in the print edition. Yeah, it's it's just terrific. Uh, it's got a nice and Matthew Carter did the multiple weights and everything, so they brought heavy the into G. Do it. Look at that G on gloves. Yeah, it's good stuff. Oh man, good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I dig that. I need a moment. <laughs> Go ahead. You, you sure we can take a break here if you want? <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I'd love to see that show. Uh, hey, uh, to wrap up the McCurry discussion from the other day, John Burge sent in an article in Time uh, where the quote is, I've always let my picture do the talking, but now I understand that people want me to describe the category into which I would put myself, and I would say that today I am a visual storyteller. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, no. <sighs> About the story or the idea that he's now changing what he says that he is? Both. it's interesting well you know what it is it's it's like what we were talking about the other day about how all these things have blended into each other mm-hmm. it's like does it really even matter anymore i mean other than to record facts for you know actual 
purpose of recording facts for history, you know, like this was the, this was the battlefield, the way I saw it kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, does it really matter? It's, it, well, it, it, it matters in the sense that he's not, he doesn't seem to be, he's telling different stories for different outlets. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. First it, it was, it was, well, it wasn't me. It was one my of my assistants, assistants yeah. or one of my employees who now, well, who, we choose to do certain things, certain times. It just, yeah. It's just a, you know, I, I I can't hear the truth over the sound of backpedaling. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what, do you think that the, uh, maybe we need some sort of rating system on photographs? <laughs> One is completely untouched. Number two, we made, right. you know. But the problem yeah. is there's no such thing as this completely photograph untouched. This photograph you by, yeah. You know, there's nothing that's completely untouched. You know, no. if you're shooting film, what film you choose, how you, what paper you put it on, you know, how you scanned it you know, the density choices you make and let alone the digital stuff of like what profile you had turned on, even if you are just shooting JPEGs, you know? Yeah. I, again, I, I don't really care that he does the stuff. Yeah. What I care is that he's, that he's sort of passing the buck or making excuses and not, not claiming it. I wonder if this will be remembered in his career or if it will just be this weird blip. Gosh, probably. I mean, look, he is. This takes nothing away from. from oh, he's a monster. His yeah. vision, from his ability, Absolutely. from his legacy, from his yeah. all of that. It's a blip. It's yep. just. It feels like it's being handled by a publicist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one last thing, I need to ask your question, your sure. opinion on the eyeglasses on the floor of the SF MoMA. Dumb. Dumb that people thought that it was art, or dumb that well, it's getting press. <laughs> dumb that it actually could be art i guess i mean that could be some sort of you know the, the crazy thing though is that you could argue that by putting it there and having people interact with it they actually made it into art made it a some sort of performance yeah. art piece right. thing yeah yeah you know which is just kind of crazy in its own right yeah uh but kind of funny hey uh i forgot to tell you something what? um oh boy i <laughs> no, no, it's good. Uh, I'm trying. Oh my god! To, I, <laughs> no, I'm trying to get. Um, there's a photographer named Harvey Mann. Harvey Mann. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Harvey Wong. Harvey Wong. I, I was looking at. I was looking at the uh, <laughs> the next item in the in the show notes. Uh, solitary Man. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, Jeremy Mann. That's Jeremy Mann. Yes. Um. Wang, Harvey Wang, Wang. God, not where Wong. is my head at today? Well, you're anyway, all over the place. I know. Uh, I'm just. I'm looking. I'm trying to look things up as I'm as got I'm it. typing. He's so, a commercial director person. Yes, got it. No, photographer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, has a film called From Darkroom to Daylight. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is this is the one you were telling me about. Yeah. So Harvey was kind enough to send me uh, a book, the book version of uh, the. Uh, the the film as well as uh a uh, the, the copy of the film itself i'm trying to organize a screening here in dc and uh harvey has kindly agreed to come down for the screening and do a q and a um so if you're interested in that if it's something that you guys might want to see let me know cuz it would be great to get a nice turnout for harvey um, he, yeah. I talked to him the other day on the phone and he's just the sweetest person. He's really nice. Um, and we're trying to organize this at the, uh, 
the Lunder Center at the National Portrait Gallery. Okay. There's a, a theater down there. It's where, where Dan Winters spoke, um, where they had the pen lectures, yep. all that. It's a really, really pretty theater. Um, and uh, anyway, so I don't know if that's going to happen, but it's in the works. And the connection is, is that Hugh used to print for Harvey uh, years ago and reached out and said, hey, I've got this book. I've got this film. Um, any chance we can, we can figure out how to get some people to see it. Um, hey, some so of my buddies are in here. We well, he talked, he's talked to everybody. Yep. Talks to Sally Mann. I mean, yep. uh, uh, there, there's a ton of stuff in there. Yep. Uh, and, and what's neat, the book is presented in such a way that it's, it's just snippets of conversations with all of these different people. You know, yep. with uh, uh, George Tice and Kaplan and Sally Mann, and and it's just it's just presented as again one of the things I'm trying to do with process driven is is you're dropping in on a conversation, and that's the way it's 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 kind of presented. So I, I think it could be a fascinating thing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'd come so. I'd come down there for that. Yeah, I thought I thought maybe you would. It'd be fun. And so, uh, yeah, there's good, lots of good people in here. Yeah, so go ch- if you want to check out his site, it's uh, it's just harveywang.com. Okay. Uh, sorry I will put be, it in the show notes. Sorry to be tongue-tied at the beginning of that. I was reading three different things and trying to find his website. I think the um yeah, so the uh um can, can we can we d- d- watch something for next week? Oh yeah. Fun. Yeah, and in fact, uh <laughs> Do you know of this? I well, I I met Jeremy. Oh gosh, when were we we went to the principal gallery in uh, Old Town Alexandria, okay, which is a gallery that that represents him and has a number of his pieces. And he was doing live painting demos. Oh, right, all day we long. talked about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's just a he's the coolest guy. Um, very real. His technique is terrific. Yeah, I think I've never seen this. Uh, I just saw this when you when you put it in the show notes. So yeah, I would love to. A watch friend this of mine um, sent it to me the other day, and uh, it's uh, it's a buy it now. I think it's five bucks or something to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I think we could support a independent filmmaker. Uh, it's about forty minutes long. Apparently, a documentary called "A Solitary Man" about Jeremy Mann and and painting and mm-hmm. his process and stuff. And uh, I've heard very good things about it. So I say that we discuss it next week. Does yeah, no, that would be cool. Okay. That would be cool. Um, Perfect. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's a, sol- uh, uh, a solitary man, two ends on man, dot VHX.TV. And I think from there you probably can uh, get to it, but I will put a link in the show notes. Yep, uh, yeah, the film's world premiere will be at the Roxy Theater. The July, Roxy. July 23rd. Wait, was this July 23rd last year? It had to be, right? Uh, could be, yeah. Uh, released video on demand uh, the other day on the 27th. Must have been last year, yeah. Had to be. 2015, I think. There's a bunch of, uh, yeah. um, you know, the, the Palme de blah, blah, blahs. You know, those things. Festival, the pa- the festival, blah, blah, blah. festival yeah. stamps. What do they call those things? You know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. I just like to listen to you. Do you know what they're called, though? What is the official term for that? I don't know. See, you would call them festival stamps too. You know, you're always trying to like sneak <laughs> me in, make me look bad. I just like to listen to you. I just let I just let uh, you get. What are those days? Uh, there, there, there is also a book, uh, Man, Volume One. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, what is this thing? 
Nine pounds. This is a big book. Nine pounds. <laughs> 384 pages. This massive oh omnibus spans hundreds of paintings, each presented with immaculate detail and color reproduction, personally overseen by the artist himself with a focus primarily directed to the work. Man, Volume 1 features only 10 pages of text and over, wow, over 20 paintings reproduced at full size. Uh, this is a uh, small batches too, as well, right? $95. Yeah. His, his stuff is really neat. And to see it, 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 it's, it's fascinating to look at it in person. There's a lot going on. It looks, it looks, uh, it looks impeccably messy. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's a, uh, and I yeah. mean that in, 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 in the highest regard, I, I, it's interesting. watching him was it, fantastic. It almost takes a little bit of what I love about John Singer Sargent where I can see that, especially in his figure work. Yeah. Where it's like, there's detail where there needs to be detail, but then it's just sort of like flops of paint that look like something further out. You know, Mm -hmm. in fact, a lot some of these like figure things of these women is very Sergeant desk in a good way. Um, Uh, And he uses, uses uh, photography and build sets and, and, you know, interesting process. I will put a link to that in the show notes as well, but we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, cool uh, and he was covered in paint. Well, any any true artist would be, right? Yeah, he was absolutely just covered in paint. It was great. <laughs> you ever <laughs> been like completely covered in paint? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that I, fun I, or I is that icky? Of, no, it's great. It's great. I had a pair of jeans in college that, swear to God, they were so caked with paint, they would just stand up. You know, you just kind of step into them and you could you could lean them into a corner and they would stand up by themselves. And this is a so, good thing? Oh, I loved it. Loved it. <laughs> loved it. Uh, all right. Well, we will discuss next week what uh, Jeremy Mann has to say. Hey, when, when you've got like color under your fingernails and, and your, the, the ends of your fingers are all stained, that's a good day, man. Did you like playing with mud as a kid? Yes. I still see, do. Are you yeah, kidding? See, I never liked getting messy. I love being messy and dirty and it, yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's good stuff. <laughs> what I don't like are the bugs. What do you mean? Oh, bugs? Like actual yeah, bugs? Like, like getting bitten. I just got eaten alive over the weekend cause I was mowing the lawn and do, working in the backyard and it's yuck, man. That's the thing I don't like about the East coast. Yeah. What bugs? Yeah. In the ground? I don't know, flying around, ground, whatever. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> well, fine, man. Go back to the desert. See if we care. <sighs> nope. Can't do it now. Got to stay. Got to um, stick it out. The uh, uh, sparkle was last week, right? Sparkle was last week. Uh, mm-hmm. I was listening to Mariah Carey records and, you know, I thought. People like the sparkle on the water. Wait, uh, did she do that? Is that a Mariah Carey thing? Sparkle? No. Uh, no, that was glitter, I think. Wasn't glitter. It? Isn't there, isn't glitter. there something glitter or something? <laughs> well, glitter, sparkle. Am I wrong? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, sparkle on the water. Yeah. People love the sparkle on the water. Yeah. Uh, and, and lots of good. I like this bridge. Uh, Wayne Hatfield, Brother Ridge. Hey, I hope you're doing well, Wayne. Yeah. Uh, anyway, good stuff. Uh, Pete Evans. Peter Evans. Do you yep. prefer Pete? See, I'm, I'm always confused because it's Peter, Peter Evans, Evans, Pete's pictures, but it's Pete takes pictures. Yeah. So I think Pete's probably safe. Yeah. Are you cool with Pete, Pete or 
Does Pete prefer Peter? And if you're not, then you got to change your thing to Peter takes pictures. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Maybe that was taken. Yeah, I like Mike uh, Waller's one of the uh, the rainbow in the in the water. Right. It's beautiful. Uh, Tanya, that's a watch right there. Yeah. Doesn't she go by Tanya? Oh, gee. Hey, you know what? <laughs> that was Bill. That was she's going to drive to Brooklyn and humble you. Here's the thing: I know people with both of those things, so I can never remember which is which. So I'm just not going to say it from here on in. Uh, w W Q, Netherland-based hobby photographer. Little rant. Why won't Google let me just drop a picture in the original post? I love the group, the Google Plus tool, not so much. Yes, yes, yes. All good questions. Uh, we are not fans of the Google Plus much either. Yeah, but there's no... Come up with a better idea and we can talk about that. Right. It's tricky. The it internet is, tr- is tricky. Did you know that? I did. Are you aware that the internet uh, is tricky? Mo Morgan, uh, I dig that lamp. And people put up a bunch of nice street corner ones too a week yeah, later. Yeah, from, from a week ago. Yeah. Um, Gardner. Man, that's a good portrait. Which one's that one? The street portrait that he did. The guy with the dreads and the, and the, the red hat. Uh, let me find it. That's yeah. terrific, David. Man, that's a nice shot. Reminds me of, uh, oh, Jesus. What's the guy? Uh, Lee. Is it Lee? F- it's not Lee Friedlander. What is his name? There is a Lee Friedlander. But he's not who you're thinking of? I don't think so. Um, I follow him on Instagram. Very, very gritty kind of, uh, um, sharp textural portraits. Yeah. Yeah. And How far away was this Lee, guy? Lee Jeffries is his name. Lee Jeffries. Uh, he was all uh, the way at the end of a 200 millimeter lens and I bet you it's cropped even from there. Yeah. That's a nice shot, David. Good shot. Don't get any um, closer. That guy looks like he could eat you apart. Right. Uh, cool, cool hat though. Robert Barron or is it Barone? Is it Barone or Baron? Robert, <laughs> correct us. I would think it would be Barone. What, okay. what would you think? Uh, it could be Bayron. It could be <laughs> oh. the Hills of Navarone. The hill. Oh, you know what? The Guns of Navarone is playing at the AFI coming up in is Silver it? Spring. It's a you great should go flick. see that. Yeah, great flick. Um, so lots of good stuff. What's uh, what's for next week? Uh, energy. Oh, okay energy that's that's uh that would work that works yeah uh i'm trying pure to f- energy i'm trying to find who sent us this photographer of the week because it was i mean i know this guy but who sent it in somebody emailed bobby tingle that's a that's a cute shot yeah you like the, that the girl with the uh was that a little edison bulb in the in the lantern there it looks like a little edison bulb could be it's cute uh, although I would have pulled her away from the background a little bit. That shadow's kind of bugging me. Hey, oh, you that's, and your shadows. That's me. Let people have their shadows. <laughs> uh, photographer of the week is uh, Clayton James Cubitt, who uh, you, oh, was it via Twitter, wasn't it? Because I remember you and I were tweeting back and forth. I don't know, but his, his website should be cubitsum.com. Cubitsum? Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, it's it's funny. So his name is Clayton James, which is CJ. So mm-hmm. for a long time, he went by the moniker Siege, as in of a city. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, he used to do a whole series, uh, uh, a weekly or daily, I think it was a daily blog thing on Nerve.com, which was this like sex site that was around. I think it's still around, but he did it for like four or five years. 
Um, I have a number of good friends of mine are good friends of his. We're like, I've met him a handful of times and, you know, we sat at the same table at weddings and that kind of stuff. But, um, but I wouldn't call him a friend of mine, but he is an acquaintance of mine. Um, can I tell you? Yeah. I love this picture. This picture, this, the landing page shot on his website. Oh, that's the one you like. That's a fantastic picture. Uh, of, of the, of the guy with the, the guy bare chest, just like opening up his jacket with all the tats. Yeah, you like that. That one. is a fantastic shot. See, my favorite stuff of his... I wouldn't say it's my favorite. Oh, okay. But it is a fantastic shot. He, he's very eclectic. I mean, a lot of his stuff is very sort of raw, sexual kind of stuff. So this is... Some of the stuff on here oh. is a little NSFW. So just be careful when you go check him out. What do you guys say? Uh, the the De Antwerp? Isn't that how you pronounce that? The band? Yeah, yeah. Is it De Antwerp or Die Antwerp? Die Antwerp? Is it Die Antwerp? Probably. I've seen these you shots them? of them on the couch. I like... I like this work. Yeah. So, uh, Clay. Yeah. Man. I, I like his, the hurricane Katrina stuff. I think is some of my favorite work of his scroll down on that same page. Cause he's from New Orleans. Mm. So he went down and shot a bunch of stuff and did some fundraising activism for stuff down there. And I think a lot of these are really lovely. I have seen this albino series. Oh yeah. 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 There's man, a- this is good. Yeah, he's he's all Wait, over the place. Is, is albinos is that is that a bad is that the bad nomenclature? Is that still correct nomenclature? I think that that's nomen. I think that's the correct term. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this great say. shot is this Jenny Jardin? It is great shot of Jenny. Yep. Oh, this is good stuff. Yeah, he's so, uh, he's 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 uh, he's quite a photographer. It's good. Yeah, stuff. I like I like he's, this. He's uh, got an interesting toning thing where it's like the colors are unreal, but in a really weird, interesting way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like everything's like warm. Everything is a little. It's not sepia. It's just like everything's a little Manila envelope colored. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he yeah, gets yeah. that kind of look. I don't know how he does it. Collaboration with UK generative artist Tom Carden. High resolution generative particle simulations were combined with a live fashion model to create a synthesized work. Man, that's cool. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Those are real neat. Uh, yeah. These portraits, portrait studio study of African skinhead fashion from the early 70s. Yep. Yeah. He's kind of all over the map. Yeah. He's all over the place. He, he chooses to do very different stuff all the time. Yeah. And then this Holly, this Hollywood series, both Hollywood and Blister in the Sun, very sort of Tyler Shields, yep. that kind of harsh yep. color, harsh shadow. Yeah. Huh. That's, it's, it, and his fashion stuff, yes, is, is, is very odd. I, yeah, the, the, the beginning of the fashion stuff, the Lagos, Lagos, is it Lagos mm-hmm. or Lagos, mm-hmm. Nigeria? Lagos uh, calling are, are really kind of cool how distressed they kind of feel. Right. Um, D Antwerp, die Antwerp. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Siege is. They are just is, some interesting looking folks, aren't they? Those two people. Yeah. He also chooses to shoot some really interesting looking people. <laughs> You know, oh, yeah. like he gets Katrina a lot of shots good are, are good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So, uh, go check it out. A lot of different stuff on here and you can look around for a long time. He's yeah. also got a, is it the news or the blog? He, uh, he shot a bunch of, uh, uh, veterans and for, for Bernie Sanders stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, going down and, and, and looking at some of his work is, uh, is pretty cool. So yeah, siege. Now is all the stuff on? He's got a Tumblr site. Is all this stuff 
Yeah, also on, on, the, on the Tumblr, Tumblr site. Is, is that all his work or is this work that he's curating of things his, that he likes? I'm pretty sure that it's his work on the Tumblr. This is very – like the the red thing with the girl's legs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's all very Siege. So I'm 99.9% sure that it's okay. all him. okay. Yeah, this is this is the stuff that I initially knew. This sort of very raw, very sexual, you know. Is um, this how he got his start? Was via via from what I understand? Yes. Uh, well, it, it, a big part of it was this this daily siege thing that he used to do on this nerve site, which I looked and the archives don't exist anymore. Like the page is supposed to be there, but there's no content on it. Like mm. the like the back end got removed or something, you know. Um, but yeah, you should go uh, uh, go check him out. It's interesting. He uh, he's also he's very good at if you go read his um, uh, uh, about page on his main site. Mm-hmm. The way he talks about himself is in a way that I could never do. I don't know. He's 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 very um, proud in a way that like I would feel weird doing. You know. I mix uh, art and fashion with technology. Kanye West loved my fashion story about black skinheads. I'm the guy behind those hysterical literature videos. I got Zeph with Die Antwoord. My long portraits inspired a Super Bowl commercial. I got dirty during Hurricane Katrina. You know what I mean? Like in a very sort of... Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's like a little bit of like a show-off tone. You know what I mean? That like I would always feel I would feel weird writing about myself like that. But it works for him. It totally works. Um, I'm I'm a little envious to be able to write like that, but uh, I think it's well, interesting. Uh, now, I don't I don't know him obviously, but yeah, did he write this, or was there an agency involved? Well, was there a publicist involved? It could have been a publicist, but I mean, it's written the first person, so mm-hmm. you know. Um, but just you know, he just he doesn't have a problem with wait wait. wait. So if if it's written in the first person, somebody else can't write it for you. Well, somebody else could write it for you, but I think that if it's written in the first person, you would definitely sign off on it. I, I think you should start writing everything in the third person. Yeah, and I think I think you need to go all Rankin and just dump Bill and just be Wadman. Uh, yeah, I've considered it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or I, or I need to come up with a, I need to come up with a, uh, some sort of BW thing like siege. That's kind of cool. What's BW? Like, you know, take Bill Wadman and turn it into something else, you know, you know, become some other word that I can't think of because I have no imagination when it comes to words. Right. (laughs) Uh, Uh, but his, but his work is lovely and, uh, was suggested by somebody who I cannot remember. So I apologize for that. But somebody sent it into a text at us. Uh, so good on, good on, uh, yeah. Siege, Clayton Cubic. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to look more into that work. It looks, you it should, looks really uh, interesting. Yeah, send him an email. I'm sure he'd talk to you. Uh, uh he lives, talks to me. He lives in Crooklyn. What is that? That would be Brooklyn. Ah. Brooklyn, that, otherwise so known as Crooklyn. Oh, yeah. Look at, look at, it's a third base, Bill, Bill third base reference. You know, white guy if, uh, dripping with flavor. Our, our, uh, well, you know, third base, there are a couple of white guys, right? Um, the, um, my friend Bianca was over the other night and we you were talking should, you about You should start a boy stuff. band. Just call it, but it's a solo act, yeah. right? Yeah. Just call it Color Me Wad. Oh, I already have a porn <laughs> last name as it is. Uh, you got anything else? Uh, hmm. Do I have anything else? You know, it, Bopping around in your head that you want to release 
before before it escapes. <laughs> right before it escapes. Uh, I don't. I don't. Think you know, you're getting so. to the age where you should really write down any ideas you have because you might not remember them later. <laughs> Why do you think I keep a journal with me at all times? It's true. It's so true. What was I gonna say? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, um, if you want to leave us a voicemail, three four seven six eight seven ninety four eleven. Uh, or podcast at ontakingpictures.com or at Bill Wadman at Jeffrey Sidoris on the Twitters and Instagrams and all those things. There was something. There was you got something, something else? That, I can't remember what it was, though. must have been very important. It, it was very important. <laughs> it was... Uh, You're like, life or death? Um, no. <laughs> the British are coming? No. no it might have been something to do with grilled cheese. Oh man, I had a really good grilled cheese the other day. I had that lobster roll the other day. Mm, yeah, God, it was good. There's a grilled cheese truck I want to I want to try. You uh, like the fancy grilled completely. cheeses? Well, this isn't this isn't so fancy. It's called Roxy. They're like the, these three guys from Boston. Yeah, Roxy's grilled cheese. See, I think any grilled cheese that's not white bread and American cheese is fancy grilled cheese. Okay, then I've never, well, not want to say never, but I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't like white bread. Okay. All right, you can you can you can have your highfalutin. Uh... Oh, it's not. The, you know what it is. You know what it is. It's is the it? Tus, It's the Tuscan pan from uh, from Trader Joe's. I like that bread. Oh, okay. It's great grilled cheese. It's 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 like hearty enough where it, you can make uh, a great French toast with it. Mmm, French toast. Yeah, we do the challah French toast up in New York. The what is that bread? What is that challah bread? It's a Jewish like risen. Uh, Hala bread, hala French. It looks like, um, like, uh, like. Oh, this. I've seen that. I've seen yeah. that with the yeah. ch. Yes. Yeah. Hala. Yep. I have seen that. Uh, that's that's what makes the good French toast. Wait, you make French toast out of that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Where have wow. you been? Look up hala French toast. That's where it's at. That's so. Is it? Is, is it? I guess it's braided, isn't it? Is it braided? It's braided, but then you slice it, and you don't really notice the braids. You know. Oh, it looks amazing. Oh God, Hala French toast is like the French toast. Like if you're huh. gonna do French toast, that's the way you go. Man, now I'm gonna have to go get French toast for lunch. Hala French toast at that. Yeah, that looks tasty. Mmm, tasty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, now I'm getting hungry. Kind of, it was kind of a food themed show today. I know. Who would have thought? You, you know, you I don't are not like, terribly it, food foodie crazy people. Let me ask you something. Yeah. What do you I, I would love I mean, look, I could, I could, I could reach out to Chef, right? From, uh, uh, from the, from Alinea. Yeah, I'm sure you could. He sounds like a pretty busy guy, but you might be able to get him. What about it? Well, you can't carve out an hour. There are some busy guys out there. I'm just saying. We go get a cheeseburger together. Uh, I do. Yeah. I think you should cook him a cheeseburger. This is, a, this is another thing that I would love to ask him is, yeah. are you able to I mean, just eat a cheeseburger. Because he's got kids, right? Yeah. He's got, I think, two or three sure. kids. Are you able to just eat a burger and enjoy a burger and fries? Or are you going, well, wait a minute. But if I puree this burger and if yeah. I add, yeah. are well, you always thinking about transforming? Or is that your job and you leave that? Like, like when you leave the kitchen, you can go home and just be. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the, the, that Solomonov guy that I took pictures of down in Philly, that chef guy, I listened to an interview with him once and they were saying, cause one of his places makes what's considered like some of the best hummus in the world. You know what I mean? Like mm, it's like mm-hmm, fantastic mm-hmm. hummus. And, and I think it was Terry gross or somebody was like, can you just 
eat hummus like from the store <laughs> like right. or you know and and he said you know he's like my wife sometimes will buy just prepackaged hummus from the store and sometimes i get home at three in the morning and yeah i'll take carrot sticks out and eat the crappy hummus right and that, like, that's the it's thing. hummus that's the <laughs> thing know? right like like can you can you go home after a hard day at work and just be like oh i want some special k with strawberries and some milk and sure that's- i mean at a certain point you have to be able to yeah. know that you know what like yeah uh, there's a, a barbecue friend of ours down here uh in gowanus and, uh, what is Gowanus? Is that an area? Uh, of yeah, an area of Brooklyn. Like down yeah. below us, there's like the Gowanus Canal. And so that's sort of this industrial area. Mm-hmm. And there's a friend of mine who has a barbecue place down there. And him and his wife have McDonald's at least once a week. Huh. He likes McDonald's. You know yeah. what I mean? And they're sick and tired of cooking all day long. It's like, I just want a hamburger. Well, yeah, that, and that's the thing, right? Is is yeah. Do you get to a point where you just go, hate food? Yeah. Yeah. I would totally, I, I could never do it. You I know. even talked to him. I talked to Bun. I talked to my friend who makes like serious coffee stuff. And I go, how do you do the same thing over and over and over again? It's like, I just try to make it better each time. Yeah. But you at know, some point like, you're that like, would go out of my mind, honey, I'm on the way home. Do you want me to stop at Wendy's for a six piece and a frosty? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We're going to, yeah. We're, we're doing KFC tonight, kids. Right. Right. Yep. And that's going to have to be okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Mm, nah. Is that what you want to talk about, or was it something no, else? No, that was something else, but it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. I don't know where it is. All right, we'll talk to uh, you later. next week. And I'll I'll write it down. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why we have show notes, Jeffrey. Write it down. Well, okay. You know, it's so funny. Uh, I, I, I've got you know uh, what's the what's the quote for uh, for uh, field notes? I'm 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 writing it down oh. so that I can so I don't have to f- remember it. Yeah. What is it? I don't know. You're you're the one with field notes. I'd never buy them. Anyway, it, but that, that's the thing. Write right? it down I, so you can forget it. Yeah. Oh, here I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. But that's I always good. forget to write it down now. So then I forget it later. Oh wow, you're re- you're like two steps beyond. <laughs> right. I don't know how you're ever going to survive. <laughs> uh, all I right, go know. go go work on your uh, your I don't know your hamburger fetish. Go buy some challah and make some French toast. Uh, Mm. My mother, my sister makes a French toast casserole. I've got to make a cake. That involves a pound of butter. Oh my. And you pour it in over the challah bread and then you like bake it. Uh, That that sounds tasty. nuts on it. Yeah, it sounds tasty. Oh, it's, it's like, it's where it's at. It's It's where it's at. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I, uh, yeah. What? Nothing. All right. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Have a good week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. Wait, here it is, is apparently a Paula Dean recipe. Wait, Paula Dean? Yeah. Paula Dean. We're going to keep this in the wait, show too, by wait. the way. Now, wait a minute. Paula <laughs> Dean with a hollow recipe. Isn't that, that's kind no, of No, this ironic. is actually, I think they, she uses French bread. But you could certainly use, yeah. Didn't, you you beat, she, sh- you beat half and half. Eggs, milk, sugar, vanilla, cinnamon, nutmeg, salt, and you beat it with a rotary beater, and then you pour it in over the top, and then you bake it. You let it sit oh. overnight too. Oh, so all the flavors can kind of congeal. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Oh, it's 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 incredibly dangerous. <laughs> yeah, you should you should make. It. I send you a link. I'll put it in the show notes too. All right. Anything else? I don't know. All right. Now we're gonna let him go. Uh, <laughs> wait, that was all still in? Yeah, why not? All right. Going on and on.
Say what you wanna say. I know what you will say. We'll 